When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did it. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people if they can become something more. Like the battles that we never could. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast and resource devoted to the discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I am joined again by my co-host and good friend, always, Christopher Breffitt. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, I am neck deep in things <laughs> I have to paint. Oh man, aren't we all just swimming in figures, terrain? Uh, yeah, it's we've got bad. a lot of terrain projects it's to do. Bad. That is, I, I'm neck deep in the same, Chris. I have started two new boards: some for Marvel Crisis Protocol, some for Legion, some for both. Yep. One is a straight secret. I don't even think you know about it. Another one you oh, know about that's a, that's a nice curveball secret that I don't think anybody's going to be doing for this game. Yeah, that's a lot of work, man. Doing terrain for boards, painting it getting it ready. Then you got to buy, in my opinion, a crate or box for it because you want it right. all organized together to right. bring to your local store. So there's a lot of steps for just one board. Now, what's great about this game, Chris, is you know it's three by three. So like less terrain, you can put more time into it. You can really make that stuff look really good. But you're talking about neck deep and hobbying. I am too. Both of our miniatures are being painted as we speak, even though it's taking quite some time. Yeah. And that leads to a discussion we had, Chris, about two episodes back where we discussed you locking in all your schemes. Oh, they're locked in. <laughs> okay, so let's go through this core set right now because I want to talk about your schemes and my schemes. Right. And I'm just going to go through the CP order that Atomic Mass has. So if you guys want to follow along with this at home, just go to their gallery. It's going to be boring because my first four are all pretty chalk. Okay, so let's go through those first two, Chris. Baron Zemo and Black Widow. What are you doing for these two? Very chalk. Purple hood. Zemo. Brown bomber jacket gonna put some spots on the fur because in the comics he's represented with spots on the fur a lot really yeah Uh, white fur black spots no leopard yep wow uh so that's gonna be normal are you Uh, doing all the gold and stuff are you changing that up at all or no not the gold it's gonna be he's he's gonna be a little bit more monochromatic okay black widow straight chalk (laughs) 
<laughs> I, you know, are you doing the kind of gold hardware she has? I'm still deciding on the hardware. I okay. think it's going to be yellow. It might end up being gray or like Ooh, a light yellow. Gray. Batman, speak to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Catwoman, man. Catwoman. She's, she's represented that way quite a bit. Captain America, of course, I'm going with a lighter blue. Okay. As opposed to the movie Darker Blue. Same. More comic-y feel there. Okay. And Carol. Carol, man, what a great character. But I know you had your heart set on something, (laughs) so I'm going pretty chalk on Carol. Well, yeah. And that's okay, because what a great character, and it's a great- Great sculpt, great model. Well, and once again, Chris, I think that chalk color of her you're talking about, which of course is the red, white, and blue with some gold. Right. It's really evocative to me what she is in the Marvel comics, where it's just she is basically a female Kryptonian in a way. And I love that red, white, and blue look for that kind of Superman look, even though it's a completely different approach, especially with the gold. What's right. sad is sad and shocking about her is they never released her helmet head. It's really strange. You'd think they would, with, especially with her going binary and things. You're right. That's a very iconic look to a lot of people. I get why they went the shorter hair version of her, but you know. Well, the haircut was such a big deal when it, was. it happened. So let's talk about my four. Okay, so Baron Zemo. I think I'm doing similar to you, Chris. Pretty standard. I was thinking about changing up the fur in some way, too. Some sort of texture or maybe pattern, like you said. Maybe not as much gold as well. Maybe more of the purple and the maroon colors. Something I thought about wanting to do for Zemo, just I'm going to personally do. Maybe make his sword a little bit more monochromatic because then I'm going to add blood onto his sword. Got to do it. Got to do it. Something I've been planned out for some time. Going for that PG-13 rating, huh? That's right. Pushing that MCU rating up. Black Widow, we've got, for me, definitely taking a curveball here. I love I'm this. going her new future suit in the MCU and just some of the future lines of comics. The white suit. I yeah. love it. I, I'm I can't so wait. happy you did that. Yeah, it's going to be a nice change. Uh, there's a lot of black in this corset, and there's a lot of red, white, and blue in this corset. And I'm trying to change that with my set right. without getting too dynamic. She's still going to have red hair and maybe not the gold either, Chris. We will see. But Ooh, I love White and that. gold look pretty good together. Yeah, I I need to look at her MCU stuff again because it was all unveiled at the Disney Expo um, with her film coming out soon. Cap, this is where I couldn't deviate as well, Chris. Um, I'm definitely going more of the comic book colors because I think – this sculpt leans more comic book, even though he's MCU as well. So yeah, once again, the brighter blue, the brighter reds. That's just that's it's just so Captain iconic. America to me. It is. It always has been. The brown leather utility belt and right. harness is so good. And I've said on the show before, my Carol decision is going to be the Kree Star Force. The black, silver, and greens cannot wait. Also, I'm going to not have her on that Rebel. I'm going to find a way to get her elevated get her in a different else? way. Get her okay. on something else. I'm not. Okay. A, I'm not a big fan of the Rebel. It's cool because she looks like she's kind of going Super Saiyan, which is very evocative of her oh, and yeah. the the Kryptonian vibes. Once again, we're we're just crossing all sorts of things. We got you know <laughs> Kryptonians and Saiyans, Star Wars reference, Saiyans. Now. Yeah, yeah. Get too far for Star Wars, unfortunately. It's too fantasy for, uh, for Star Wars. But yeah, I just want her flying. I want her floating more. So let's yeah, move sure. on to the next four on here, Chris. That is crossbones. Now, there's not a lot you can do with crossbones, but okay. I am going to be doing the the dry brushed X on his chest. You know. Me too. Me too. No, other, That's exactly other, what I'm doing. I'm actually going to try to do the dry brushed spray painted X on his face as well, yes. which is this is the comic book sculpt for his head, not the MCU. Right. So maybe I can make the, the helmet a little more MCU just to make him stand out sure. in the crowd against the rest of the crossbones. Now, and this particular Dr. Octopus sculpt, yellow and green 
are pretty pretty hard to get away from. You can't really find many other. I know in many other examples. If we were a little more talented, Chris, I would say totally green stuff. That lab coat, you know. Oh, I know. But I just I'm don't. Not there, think we're not on that level. I um, am not there. We're not on that level yet. I'm going to be doing the same green, yeah. green and yellow. But as you know, I cannot stand. For this pose, I need my Doc Ock up off of the ground on his tentacles. So I'm going to try that out. Good um, luck. With some hot water and things yep. like that. Two or so are going to be climbing over terrain and two are going to be up right. shooting down, which to me is always the Doc Ock pose I think of, even though sure. I think this pose is fantastic. So let's move on to Iron Man. Now, Iron Man is where I start to get a little more interesting. I am going with the Iron Man recon suit. It's going to be a black suit with a matte finish. Some shiny uh, silver in there, blue lighting. Love it. I'm really excited about it. And this is where we conversely trade, and I'm I'm so happy we do, Chris. I'm going to have the more standard, just traditional Iron Man 70s, 80s, 90s suit. Right. The red and gold uh, with, obviously, the MCU nods with the glowing repulsor hand and chest. Right. Just iconic. And the biggest thing I want to do is the metallics. So that's really tough, I know. Yes. That hot rod kind of shine with the glitter under it. Yes. But if you can pull that off, holy cow, that will draw people to this game. If they oh see my. that Iron Man on top of a building... That's my goal. So that's why I went with the standard colors, surprising on this. But Red Skull is next. Now, Red Skull, I'm not doing anything crazy color-wise, but I am very excited to mess around with some source lighting there. Same. So neither one of us are messing around (laughs) color-wise. He's got to wear black. Yeah, he has to. Yeah. He's a Nazi. (laughs) Yeah, he is. So the next four are Ultron, Spider-Man, Hulk, MODOK. So start me off, Chris, with Ultron. Ultron, nothing crazy. I'm really excited to once again try to get that metallic sheen and those those red highlights yeah. everywhere I can to make I'm excited to try to make that look as good as I can and yeah. really grow as a hobbyist using this model. So honestly. metals again, metal colors yeah. again. It's essential. It's tough. And it's, it's really be hard, tough to get and I'm highlights. For it. It's tough to get highlights and brighter colors on metallics. But it's worth it. Um the only thing I'm doing differently with my Ultron, Chris, I mentioned it in our um Ultron episode. I'm just going to beef up that base. I think it needs mm. to be more rubble, slightly raised, like he just came in, did the superhero land, oh and my. blew up the ground. Just more rubble and more uh, basing for sure. But yeah, sticking with the metallic and the red-orange glow as well, because mm-hmm. I love the open mouth, it's the comic too, book yeah, pose. It's too much, and he really hasn't been shown no. in too many Otherwise, other facets. Yeah. You could do a different color, which I'm kind of down with i was considering maybe a purple glow might happen but still that standard metallic is so good yes moving on to spider-man i am doing black and red more of the early 90s style spider-man just to get a little stand out i figure most people will be doing the blue and blue and red suit which is the blue and red 100 percent the blue and red fine by me yeah do not that's what i'm take that as as an insult i I don't yeah (laughs) Uh, I I'm just doing went the black and red. and red for a little bit of difference. I'm glad you are. Yeah. yeah I'm interested to see that one finish, Chris, because Me you've, too. you've got some base coats right now. And black is obviously hard to work with, but you can do some dark gray highlights and things right. like that. Um, really make those muscles pop on him and just like some source lighting of sorts. But so white eyes, you're doing white eyes on him of too? Of course, yes. Okay. So I'm doing the standard Spider-Man, but once again. He's got to change that pose, folks. got to change that pose, that basing. I... This is my least favorite pose in the core box. I hate to say that. I hate to be negative. I don't not really know it's necessarily negative. I guess it's out of all the poses in the core box. This is the least evocative of the character. The pose is good. 
Um, the fact that he's on the ground to me is not good. So I'm just going to put him up on a little bit of terrain, Chris. There you go. And I will post that on the Instagram at Fury's Finest. So keep an eye out on that. But let's move on to Hulk. I'm excited about my Gray Hulk. I'm farthest along on him. We've talked about it so much. Yeah. Uh, I, I went with Gray Hulk. I think he's looking really good. A lot more detailing work to do, but his base coats are on. And I'm really enjoying how it's looking. Okay. I am going, as everybody knows, the standard Hulk, the bright greens and bright purples. Um, Chris is doing purple pants as well. Can't get away from those tight purple pants. Can't get away from them. And maybe I'll do a little bit of detail work on this basing, maybe some extra debris or something, newspapers, something, because I just, it's such a large base. I think it's a good opportunity to really take some time on the base. But going Green Hulk, um, once again, Chris is doing the alt here. I'm doing the standard. So it's good stuff. Now, moving on to Modoc, I found a wonderful panel from the 80s for Modoc where he was he was wearing purple armor. His chair was white with silver mm. and black and yellow highlights. I like so I'm recre- I'm recreating that as best I can. I'm really enjoying the way it looks. Whew. Yeah, and I am not doing Modoc, Chris, because he's going to be all you, man. That's I'm the only Modoc here. <laughs> that's going to be something that I sure comes up on the show again when Modoc is dominating the meta or something, and I don't have him. But that's completely fine. I will get Venom when he comes out. So <laughs> Venom is the answer to all my problems, at least perceived. So yeah, I just Modoc. This is Chris's realm. So I I think Chris, unfortunately, he's going to be one of the toughest ones and the most work but the most worth it because he's such a big unit. He's going to really pop on the table. With the I'm, I'm really hoping so because you can do a lot of cool stuff with the exhaust from his chair. Yeah. And it's just such a big face. It gives you some, uh, some really cool contours to work with. Yeah. So that's our color schemes, guys, of the core set and the first wave. Of course, we're going to not even on our terrain yet um, other than priming. So we'll get to that when we get there too. We'll tell you guys about that. But what have you guys been doing? Let us know in comments and things, what sort of schemes you've been going. Tweet us. Yeah. I'm really interested to see all the alt schemes, Chris, and all the alt poses. Cause I think that really makes it stand out because there are going to be a lot of mirror matches in this game. Yes, there are. It's going to be a lot of Captain Marvel's on Captain Marvel's and Spider-Man's on Spider-Man's. There's going to be a lot of things going on like that. I'm very excited to see everybody's take on that. So Chris, before we move on, We've got to talk about our bet we had. Unfortunately, we did some digging. It's a real bummer. There's a real bummer. There's not really a bet because the CP6 and the CP10, we figured them out by looking at you know small texts on boxes and look at some of the Gen Con material. Basically, CP6 is the terrain pack. Right. And CP10 is, in fact, Miles Morales and Ghost Spider, Gwen Stacy, Spider Gwen. What's interesting here, Chris, is they're still not represented on the gallery. Right. Makes sense with the CP6 because it's terrain. It's not going to be in the gallery. But a little tinfoil hat E here. Why are Miles and Gwen not on the gallery? Could be delayed. I think so. I hope not. Two of my favorite characters. I'm excited for a Spider First affiliation group. I'm excited for a spider team, at least purely spider thematically. Yeah. yeah. Like just the way they play would be so interesting. And yeah, I, I'm not sure why we didn't get them, Chris, but I'm I'm curious what's going on with them. So we will keep you guys posted when we find out. But that would actually put the spider team right after Venom, Chris, and right before the Asgardians. So it seems like a it fitting spot. It's a fitting yep. spot. One of the most popular 
villains, not only in Marvel, but of course in Spider-Man Venom. And then, of course, two of the prominent frontrunners of Spider-Man right now. Miles Morales is the Spider-Man <laughs> he is the of Spider-Man the future, right man. Uh, Gwen, too. I mean, we've got so many fan favorite characters. So it's strange uh, why they're not on the site. Time will tell. That aside, so no bet for us particularly, but right. anyone that you think, Chris, might come to the game fairly soon, as in sometime in this timeline or after Star-Lord, which is CP-18. So say CP-19 or whatever, or somewhere in the middle as a surprise. Someone that you think stands out that might come out that we don't know about? There's there's two that I'm seeing that just stand very much like sore thumbs, and that's Drax and that's Thanos. Drax and Thanos, yeah. Right. And of course, Thanos has been revealed that he is coming out. We don't know where he fits in this timeline. Would he be before the Guardians? After the Guardians? We are uncertain. Who knows? It would make sense, Chris, for him to come out right before the Guardians because that's when we get a couple of the Black Hand members. Yeah, a Black Hand faction is going to be really fun. Oh it's going to be gosh. different. Corvus Glaive looks great. I'm not even a big fan of these characters, Chris, as compared to others, and I'm You're super crazy. excited. I know. I stand by the fact that Proxima Midnight <laughs> is the best villain name in all of comic books. It's up there, without a doubt. If I could be a professional wrestler, my name would be Proxima Midnight. <laughs> Such a good name. It's so good. I cannot get over this Gamora sculpt and just look. It's mm-hmm. It's too much. But okay, so Thanos obviously is coming. We don't know when he's coming, but you're right. Drax is not represented. So I completely agree with you, Chris. The, the sore thumb to me is Drax and maybe even Mantis. Maybe Drax and Mantis are I, a pack I would together. love that for, for a pack. Because we got Gamora and Nebula together and Rocket Group together, Star Lord you know, by himself. Dave Batista deserves to be represented. He Absolutely. Played, he played Drax fantastically. It will be the MCU Drax, too. So I'm he certain has of it. to be. I'm certain He's of kind it. of the Drax in comics now. He did such a great job. <laughs> he really did. And, you know, I just love I just love Batista. So what maybe Drax and Yondu or Drax and yep. Mantis. I, I would, would prefer awesome. Mantis, but Yondu is probably more likely. Yeah. Well, Michael Rooker's performance well, is great. Yeah, because Yondu in the movies took a huge role. Whereas Mantis is a little bit more prevalent in the comics. But yeah, he did a great job playing Yondu. And that's a weird thing. I got to meet him. And oh, that's great. I did a weird um, comic Dallas Comic Con promo with him where I was an extra and he was the star and it was zombie themed, of course. That's awesome. Uh, thank you to my friend Scott for just calling me about that. He's like, yeah, you know what? I know you love comics, Michael Rooker and <laughs> zombies. And so he called me. Do you want to be an extra for a day? Sure do, bud. What a really, really nice guy. But. Yeah, maybe Yondu's more likely. So that's kind of my prediction. Drax and Yondu. Yep. Also, Chris, for this Black Order faction, we could get Call Obsidian or Ebony Maw, which Ebony Maw would be all mystic. Oh, such good I stuff. I have to go back and figure out who came up with all these character names because <laughs> they're so good. I know. Yeah, like Call Obsidian's not even said in the MCU films, but he's a prominent guy. He's the, he's the big beefy, um, you know, orc reptilian looking guy. So he's the muscle. He's the muscle of this faction. Got to have a heavy hitter. Parts. But, you know, we've got a lot of ideas right now, Chris, but this is this is fun stuff to speculate on. We'll come back to this in the future, but more Guardians, or like you said, Thanos, pop it up maybe earlier than we think, but he's coming. I can't he wait. He has to be. Oh, yeah, he's it's coming. Just, it's a we license s- to print money. Oh, yeah, they showed that reveal of his miniature, and the throne is out of control, that it's a terrain piece, and he comes so cool, off of the man. throne. Comes off the throne, um, goes back in it. It's good stuff. Gauntlet or not, gauntlet with stones or not, you, your decision to make, which is great. 
smiling face or smirking face. They give you all these options. This is good stuff. Smirk. <laughs> That's smart. Evil you smirk. You gotta go with the smirk. Evil smirk. So that yeah. self-assured smirk. So maybe no bet today from us guys, but we do have some predictions and you, you know, we talked about our hobbying. We were going to keep working on that, Chris, and I'm going to keep working on these secret, secret terrain tables. I'm so too. upset. You have one <laughs> secret from even me. That's very true. It's very strange, but I, I we'll see how it turns out. I, it's going to take some time, but let's move on. <laughs> Our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy the show, consider supporting it with a monthly contribution. We thank all of our patrons for their support. There's no new patrons to announce this week, but we do want to thank all of our current patrons from the bottom of our black hearts. That's right. Of the Black Order. We thank all of you patrons. You guys are part of the Fury's Finest team just as much as we are. You're making this stuff happen. You're making this, hopefully, production and everything. You're you're paying for this. The podcast is always going to be free. It's never going to change. But those of you that step up and, you know, just contribute a small amount monthly or whatever means the world to us because you're making this happen for everybody else too. I said it last week and I'll say it again. We do not take that lightly. Absolutely not. And we hope you guys are enjoying the content and our, you know, rate that we're dropping content to. But thank you, patrons. Let's go into today's lore. So, Chris, we're in lore. We haven't even talked about who we're going to talk about today. Which is great because we had so much to talk about. But today we're talking about Crossbones. So who is Crossbones? Brock Rumlow. That's right. Crossbones. Before we get into his lore, I've got to mention, I feel like he is the biggest curveball in the core set. I agree. He's been in the movies quite a bit, but he is not a huge character in the comics. He's been around. He's kind of a... You would assume a different villain. You would assume a different villain, but you know, I don't mind it. I think he's right behind Zemo. Zemo was a nice curveball, too. I just yep. think he's a little bit more of a curveball. I don't mind it either because he fits mechanically so well into the game. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just shocked to not get maybe another Spider-Man villain or something. Sure. someone that's so iconic, even I to know. non-comic book fans. Rhino. <sighs> I've, I can't wait for that sculpt. Oh, my gosh. You, Mysterio, I'm going to die. Mysterio. I will die. I will see it, and I will fall out of my chair. Craven the Hunter is one I'm very Ooh, excited about. Oh, yeah. Don't forget Hobgoblin, one of my all-time oh favorites. Oh, my gosh. Hob, the, the Goblin faction? The go- Hobgoblin. <laughs> all the fa- Goblins. Green Goblin. <laughs> all the symb- <laughs> Give me that symbiote faction. Oh, my gosh. Give me I that symbiote. I am dying. Carnage, Scream, the others. I can't remember all their names. But it's interesting. They took this route, Chris. I think... They're very focused with these corsets. And I say corsets because we're predicting in the future there's going to be other corsets for this. Right. Hoping for an X-Men corset. Big time. Big time. So in order to keep that corset kind of focused, I really think they focused on Avengers and Cabal. Right. So I think Crossbones made sense in that sense where he's a lower threat model that fits in the Cabal faction. It's going to be around the game for a long time, Chris. So before we get into his lore, I just wanted to discuss how surprised I was to see him. And, you know, ironically, I've heard some people say, who is that character? Who's that Bane looking guy? And the MC, <laughs> MCP corset. Because truthfully, he even looks different from the MCU version that some yes. people might be more familiar with. He does look more like Bane in his comic book form, which is this mask. Right. And Bane is very iconic. Bane is super iconic. Crossbones, not so much. But hey, maybe with Marvel Crisis Protocol and the MCU, that might change. 
It might change. So let's talk about Brock Rumlow. He is a highly trained combatant. Right. He's a highly trained military mind, a strategist. He's proficient in um, the use of most weapons. Okay. Very proficient in hand-to-hand combat. He's just a he's just kind of a beast. He's a brawler. He's a big brawler. Let's talk about his first appearance. Okay. Uh, he was created by Mark Grunewald and artist Kieran Dwyer. Okay. He made his first cameo in Captain America number 359 okay. in October of 1989. Holy cow. And his first full appearance was in issue number 362. Mm-hmm. So we can talk a little bit about his history. I know nothing about this man. I I didn't know much, <laughs> and I, I still want to go ahead and say I probably don't know a ton. Well, and they kind of rebooted him, too, Chris, with the Brewbaker stuff, which we'll get to later. Right. But I just, I don't know. It's cool to hear about that he has such rich history this far back, even though right. he's not a major player. Right. He's kind of always been a, a go-to guy Side or, villain. A, or a right-hand man or a member of a team. Okay. Brock Rumlow, first was appeared leading uh the Savage Crims gang okay. in New York's Lower East Side. This all makes so much more sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> During which time he assaulted a 15-year-old Rachel Layton and that she will become a big deal later. She fought Rachel's two brothers, killing the elder brother. So this is her first offense against young Rachel Layton. Uh she will later become Diamondback of the Serpent Society. Okay. Rumlow fled that, laid low from the law. In doing so, he entered Taskmaster's School for Criminals. Uh, he went from being a student to being an instructor under the name Bingo Brock. Bingo Brock. What a bad name. What a Lower East Side <laughs> gang name. Ah, Bingo. Hey, get, uh, get Bingo down here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's exactly. So as a mercenary, he was enlisted with Albert Malik, the communist Red Skull, of course. So this is uh, one of Red Skull's clones. Yes. That kind of became Red Skull for communism instead of Nazism. So mm. still pretty bad. Still pretty pretty bad. Red Skull's always bad. They're always Um, bad. Serving Red Skull under the name of Frag until he was sent to invade Arnim's Zola's Switzerland Chateau. Now, of course, Arnim Zola is another major... That's what I was about to say, yeah. Another major Marvel villain, usually represented as the head of Hydra for a very, very long time. Yeah. Rumlow went on this assault, but he was the only team member to survive this. Also there, he met and impressed on Johann Schmidt, the original Nazi Red Skull. The real real Red Skull. Skull. At this point, Red Skull accepted Brock's services and codenamed him Crossbones, member of the Cabal. That's right. So this is kind of where he became Crossbones. So he's been been Brock Remlow, the gang member. He has been Bingo Brock, the (laughs) Lower East Side criminal instructor. Then he became a, we talked about, a communist operative called Frag, which is very Decepticon name to me. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is, <laughs> like, it? It's such a Decepticon name. Just <laughs> go, Frag. Bring destruction. And then he finally met up with Johan and became the Crossbones we know, part of the Cabal. That we know and detest today. That's right. So Crossbones really enjoys his time as Red Skull's number one man. He fights many a hero. Many a villain for the skull as well. It's interesting <laughs> because 
the Red Skull not only crosses superheroes' paths, but he also fights other supervillains on a pretty regular basis. Mm, sounds like Megatron and Starscream. Pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Brock assembles a team known as the Skeleton Crew to try to recover the Red Skull when he goes missing. And he is the head of the Skeleton Crew for quite a while. After covering Red Skull and kind of reassimilating him, whatever they did, I didn't, you know, I'm not sure I need to read it. <laughs> But uh, he attends uh, AIM's weapons exposition. Hmm. Uh, he battles Daredevil. Daredevil actually saving Kingpin in wow. that instance. That's so Daredevil. Which is so Daredevil. Yeah. yeah. He battles Bullseye during Bullseye's failed assassination attempt against the Red Skull. Okay. He battles Captain America again and is defeated again. <laughs> um, <laughs> again. The Red Skull later assigns him to discover who killed the Red Skull's spare clone bodies. So alongside the skeleton crew, he battles the Schutz Healy Group, we think. Healy Group? Healy Group. Yeah. That's the best we got. So they're a good guy superhero team that fights Red Skull in Nazi Germany, I'm assuming. I don't know. I don't know anything I about know, them. Not necessarily Nazi Germany, but Just I Germany. think a European-based, German-based team. Cool guys. Look them up. The Schultz Healy Group. He battles them in an attempt to re- rescue the Red Skull again. But he's captured. Okay. He was rescued from the Helia Group's custody by Arnim Zola's fake Avengers, which is an interesting time during Avengers history. Yeah, that's right. Crossbones is eventually fired for questioning the Red Skull's decision to ally himself with the Viper. Of course, he has a history with Diamondback, of course. Red Skull allying himself with Viper from the Serpent Society does not sit well with Brock. Makes perfect sense. Right. So in a desperate attempt to regain his position, Crossbones kidnaps who else? Diamondback. (laughs) He attempts to brainwash her. And of course, Captain America foils this one real, real good. Brock is thrown in a supermax prison, whatever. I I think that particular one is he's in the raft. Interesting. So he escapes the raft. Joins the Thunderbolts for a little while. Uh, he's kind of the worst member of the Thunderbolts. Yeah. As in, like, <laughs> meanest, baddest. Yeah. Not. Which, interestingly, he des- develops another power here. After coming into contact with contaminated Terrigen Mist, he develops an energy blast mm. that comes from his face. Okay. Pretty interesting. I'm not sure that that's represented here in crisis protocol maybe in a future maybe they raise the threat level by on crossbones by one in a future release and we will see you know we'll see i don't know if they're going to redo the same characters we'll see so overall crossbones just goes to be a general pain for all the heroes in the marvel universe and he keeps finding himself in fights with people and then getting put back in jail and prison and locked up and then he breaks out that's kind of his main thing. That's his deal. Is coming back, and he's always a right-hand man. It seems like, Chris, he's never a leading villain, but he is a very, very powerful, yeah. powerful assassin and right-hand man. He's kind of the guy they send on the side missions who does a lot of work. He's the dirty work guy. So, Chris, before we close up this lore segment on Crossbones, you mentioned he has the energy blast. He has lots of brawling, punching. He's also done some assassinations on other individuals, so he's he's good with weapons as well. Something not in this game, but in some of the comics where he's just more of a military guy. Right. But he's just a big, buff, brawler 
type guy, similar to Bane, like we talked about. That's why people, I think, mistake them, even though not as tough. But uh, anything else about his superpowers? He doesn't really. He's just a big, tough guy. He's resilient. So let's move on to his appearances in the MCU. He's a villain, so he's not going to be alluded to. He's not going to be mentioned a lot. Sure. He's not a main villain. Especially a side villain, right? Right. So he appears in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Yeah. I thought he was played really well in that movie, by the way. You're right. thought he did a great job. Uh, He's in Captain America, Civil War, Mm -hmm. which is fitting because he is primarily a Captain America villain. Well, and he's the beginning of the film, which is such a cool fight with uh, Falcon and Scarlet Witch and, and Cap leading the raid. Um, which actually has ramifications for the plot of Civil War. Um, Interesting. Onward. But I, I like this MCU version of um, Rumlow. Where he I did too. The, I thought they did a really good job of not making him an over-the-top, yeah, like overly superhero crazy. He just modded up. He's presented as a good guy at first, and he and he's part of Hydra, and that, you know it makes sense. Finally, he appears in Avengers Endgame in when they're back in time. That's right. Because then he is just Rumlow, the S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. agent. Right. Because, you know, in the MCU, he is one of the main S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. You see him several times, you know, putting the scepter away, like in Avengers uh, or 1, when we see the extra shots in Endgame and the Back to the Future right. 2 sequences, as I call it, where we actually show that he was one of the guys carrying the scepter, and it was for nefarious means with Hydra, because he was for Hydra the whole time, even though he was acting as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent out of his gear but that's basically his appearances in the mcu chris the least robust we've seen thus far and anything easy easy money here (laughs) easy money so chris before we move on to strategy any comic book or media recommendations about rumlow you know i would just highly recommend ed brubaker's captain america run you did that yeah yeah a couple of you guys that listened did that so thanks for doing that and you said you thoroughly enjoyed it so I, we appreciate that brubaker is amazing chris nailed it yeah this series is phenomenal i've never read it until chris recommended it and i'm loving it brock does come up several times once again this is kind of the modern 2000s onward version of cap version of red skull version of crossbones is all right. concurrent with where we're at and marvel now this is probably their most accurate depictions and best writing. So it's true. It, gosh, Brubaker, I just can't stress it enough, guys. Brubaker, <laughs> he gets it. Such a fantastic writer. And the way Brubaker in this series, Chris uses flashbacks to retell the right. 1940s comics, but in a dramatic way. So good. It's so good. It's it's kind of like you're fully caught up on Cap if you never read it. It's it's, it's great. perfect, and yeah. that's why it's a great intro read. You're going to get the full cap history. Zemo's in it. I mean, yeah, you're going to get the full cap history without reading 60 years worth of comics. It's what you want to do. And Crossbones comes in several times and fights cap. It's great. So that's it for lore, Chris. I think it's time to go to strategy. Oh, I can't wait. So we're in strategy. We got to start with his name. It's Crossbones, Chris. (laughs) And his alter ego is Brock (laughs) Rumlow. I'm going to do that every time. We're going to read this. I know. I love it. We're just going straight down through the card here. So once again, you guys can join us by reading your card at home or checking our social media for the card pictures. So let's go through his healthy side first. He has six stamina. That's health. A short speed. That's new. A height of two. A threat of three. And his defense is this. Four physical, two energy, two mystic. And Chris, his injured side, one less stamina. Everything else is the same. That short movement speed is... It's scary. It's new. It's scary. It's Ultimately, it's deceptive. 
Okay. Yeah. So that stands out to you. I maybe in just a, a particular love way. This character <laughs> on the tabletop. I just I just do. I'm so glad you play him, Chris. He has won me several games by himself. Right. He's kind of a late game finisher. He absolutely is. He has to get in the he's fight. An objective monster. So what's saying that to me, Chris, is his defense is kind of strange, and I like this. So we've talked about this before. The average in this game so far is three for defense. Right. Anything above or below is different. So his physical defense is four. That's great. It makes sense. He's a martial combat expert. Yeah, he's got a little bit of armor. He's got bulletproof vests on, all this kind of stuff. But his energy and mystic are incredibly low at two, below average. So we haven't seen anything lower than two in the game so far. I wonder We're if going someone to. with one. We're going to. That'll sometime. be insane if we see someone with one. They better be really strong in their other facets. You know what I mean? If someone oh, absolutely. Has a defensive one. And his injury side, his health just goes down a little bit because he's injured. Uh, some of his armor's coming off. But he's the same in all these other stats. So obviously, Chris, this is an interesting episode for us because we've got some different stats on defense. It's less kind of across the board. It's a little polarizing his defense his physical is incredibly high his other defenses are incredibly low so that paired with the short speed already makes this an interesting character to talk about he is and you know i've heard disparage crossbones for that short speed so have i i just haven't seen it yet i haven't either i double move him till he gets to an objective Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he sits on that objective right and we're going to talk about some of his attacks superpowers later and as soon as people start targeting him he sure. gains movement. I know. His superpowers are great. I have not found that to be a drawback with crossbones yet. Yeah. Uh, maybe others have. And I'm sure that there are players that will abuse that. Abuse that short range. Sure. That short movement. And that's okay. That's that's part of the game. That's part of the mechanics. But so far, I have just... He has been a mainstay for me. Well, and we're at this crossroads too, Chris, in the game. So far, if you guys have been following our show so far... We've done these parallel heroes and villains to each other episode by episode on this show. This is where we take a detour a little bit, Chris, because this is the villain counterpart to Iron Man in this core box. It may not seem apparent because Iron Man is all range. Brock is all melee, all close stuff. So this is one of the first places in the game that we take a big detour between two characters. Something we'll see absolutely later with Hulk and MODOK. Both hard right. hitters, completely different. But this is the biggest detour in the entire core box. Every other villain and hero pairing they kind of have built mechanically are kind of mirror images of each other in different ways, um, even though they're all different. Most aptly so, Ultron and Carol were like almost the same character, just completely different abilities right. and stats of the same coin. This is different. And I got to mention it while we're here because, you know, it seems strange. We When we even plotted out our episode chart, these were the two that went together, but it was the least obvious compared to some of these other It characters. was. It took us a second to figure it out. Yeah, but, but I just want to mention that before we move on to his attack. So, Chris, what's his first attack? Jesse, I'm glad you asked. His first attack is his strike. Okay. That's going to be a range two, strength five, zero power cost. Strength five, nice. Yeah, it is nice. And it is a physical attack. After the attack is resolved, the character gains power equal to the damage dealt. So That's it's right. a standard zero cost early game economy generating strike yeah five is better than some of the strikes that are four yes so that's good and we also have some other characters with strike of five so makes perfect sense his next attack is overpower this is his primary attack you're going to use it's a physical attack range three very nice five strength again two power 
Let's read what now, it says. Now, why is it two power? Why is it two power and why is it, you know, the same strength, Chris? It's, surely it's got to have something good to balance out that it's the same strength as a zero cost strike. After this attack is resolved, place this character within range one of the target. So let's talk about this, Chris, before we even get into the wild or anything. This is kind of hard to comprehend on paper and an audio format, so bear with us. But this is like a ranged attack with a ricochet but the ricochet is a free move for brock and the range is a free move for brock too it's crazy it's wild but also it resolves after the wild so this it can be a double whammy it really can so let's talk about that wild while we're here chris that's wild is throw not push keep that in mind if the target character is size two or less before damage is dealt this character may throw it short and this is exactly why I say that he is an objective monster. This is why he has to be short, because if he was medium, it'd be out of control. So OP. So basically, you get to range three, <laughs> yeah, you throw like a, your attack. Like you a hope, ranged attack. You hope for a while. But it's actually him charging in. It's actually him doing charging a wrestling in. throw. Right. You hope for a wild. you throw someone off of the objective, Okay. then you move within short distance of them after you've thrown them. To where you're controlling the objective and not. blocking them from getting there. Right. So it's good. it's so much control for a bruising character. So this is his strike, but it's been modified where he's getting free movement out of it. He's getting that range three plus the one, Chris, a free movement no right. matter what, which is great. And then potentially you're getting a wild and getting a throw. And let's not forget in this game, Chris, pushes don't deal damage to people when they're pushed into terrain, but throws do. Also, remember, you can always throw someone into another character. So this is all really good stuff. He's got a five-string attack that gives you a throw if he pulls it off. Let's talk about his superpowers. Well, let's. Now, his first superpower is an active superpower, and this is, especially if you're going to throw an overpower and you're looking to control an objective and you need to, to roll that wild. Sure. His first superpower is a must. This is Haymaker. And it reads like this. The next strike or overpower attack made by this character this turn adds three dice to its attack roll. So we're taking overpower from a strength five Mm -hmm. to a strength eight. Right. And like I've said in the past, Chris, and I'll keep saying on the show to drill this strategy home to you guys, not only is more dice more hits, but more dice is more chance to roll wilds. Bingo. So then you're going to get the throw and potentially get to throw them into a terrain or throw them into another character, make the other character do a dodge save. This is a higher chance for damage, which is great. But the Haymaker costs four. That's a lot. That's why I think Crossbones is really good in an Avengers list. Mm. Just a personal opinion. Okay. Put him with Captain America, with Iron Man. He's your frontline objective monster. Okay. You get Captain America up there supplementing him. Yeah, that I don't know. Interesting. Cap can pick up his lack of energy defense with that vibranium shield bodyguard. So, Chris, um, his next ability is reactive. It's called injured to pain. It costs one power. If this character would suffer damage, it may use the superpower. Reduce the amount of damage suffered by one. So this is our direct tie to last episode, Chris, with Iron Man. This is the Invincible Iron Man ability. You just pay one for it instead of it being free. Bingo. Which makes perfect sense. And there's a reason you pay for it. And we're just going to go on to the next superpower because this is all in conjunction with each other. 
And if Iron Man had something like this, it'd be kind of wild. And he didn't pay for his right. defensive bonus. So the next ability on here is innate. It is called aggressive. After an attack targeting this character, Crossbones, is resolved, if this character suffered damage, it may advance short towards the attacking character. Has to be towards. It has to be towards. But holy cow. So this is why he can't be medium movement. Too good with overpower right. and aggressive. This is why a nerd to pain is good because so aggressive doesn't trigger Chris if he takes no damage. So keep that in mind. Like if he's just shot at and blocks it or something. Right. So Chris, you have to take at least one damage to move from aggressive, but it's innate. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. And you know, I don't know if I made it clear enough on this a nerd to pain. Iron Man can only reduce his by one. It's always a minimum of one to Iron Man. It's right. you can't reduce it down to zero. Crossbones can pay this and reduce this down to zero. And that's why you're paying for it. And guess what, Chris? This is a superpower. So this is reduced free by action. one. Of course, a free action. So good. But what you just said, backing up what you just said, this is reduced by one by Captain America. So it's zero. Nerd to pain is. Gross. <laughs> the first uh, one you use. Yeah, the first one, of course. For, but, the fir- for one damage, yes. But still, that's nasty, folks. Yeah. Nasty. Yeah, so he can reduce his damage by one. It's really good. Down to zero if he wants to. So any final thoughts on Crossbones, Chris? I have a few. He's a pretty basic character. Right. The game had to have this kind of character. He's a brawler. We're going to see more of this with Zemo and Natasha, except they have some pretty complicated triggers and strengths around objectives that he doesn't have other than him just being a body which is great. Right. He does have only 11 health, which I say only there's characters that have less health than him coming out too as well. It's just, you know, keep that in mind as he's taking all this damage free moves. If he gets injured in a weird way, his overpower, even though it's a melee physical attack, he gets a free move in the way of the range ruler, which is great. It's so good. Um, then he gets a free in a way, a cohesion sort of thing from other, miniatures games where he gets that one movement from the target and you know i've used that to great effect in games that's kind of the best to part. where say a spatter man has been trying to control crossbones sure he'll deal with damage he'll throw him back like i've always canceled that throw okay by moving crossbones right back to where he was sure with his aggressive innate ability and then next turn go in hand yeah, no, you're right, Chris. And, you know, this opens up a lot of possibilities for future strategy talk from us and just getting better at the game. The more we play with these characters, the better it's going to be. Crossbones seems weaker on paper, I think, to some people because he takes a little more work to he get does. really good at. But it doesn't really matter because if you put in the work, he's a machine, even more so than Iron Man in some ways, because he just can sit on those objectives and ruin people's day. But Something I thought of too, Chris, with the overpower is that that range one, you know, sometimes that could be, as you said, the difference with of an objective or cover. It absolutely you is. Put yourself into cover after this. So this is like a really awesome throw he's doing, a wrestling throw, and then he's kind of getting into cover after, or he's just repositioning himself for the next attack. Because let's not forget in this game, Chris, you can double attack. So you can overpower into a strike. You can overpower into a range three move, into a range one move, and then strike somebody else as your second attack. So it's like a built-in move for him if he was already in range three at the start of the activation round. So you got to think about it that way, too. Maybe that Natasha or Spider-Man is teed up, and he wants to get to them. So he overpowers into Iron Man and then 
ping pongs up like a pinball and punches Natasha into the ground. Super smart. It's super really fun. good. Yeah. It's it's a little bit complicated. Comes with slamming games and using the character. Well, and that's a little bit complicated, Chris, but he's a really simple character on this card in general. Right. So if you can just kind of practice him and his movement and his deployment, his turn zero is going to be crucial with him too, where you place him since he's a slow moving character. And keep in mind, he's a slow moving character with a standard small base. So this isn't some sort of Ultron scenario where he's moving medium, but he's actually a bigger base. He's moving more than medium. I'm excited to see more of him, Chris. Um, He's probably somebody you're going to be playing a lot more than me. That's so the plan, bud. I'm excited to see what you do with him. The fantasy of him does not fit my playstyle or my my gamer sense at all, but I will play him sometimes and probably have some fun with some objective control as well. I'm really excited for my MCU looking crossbones too. Maybe that'll get me more excited to play him just because I like that look a little bit better. But other than that, Chris, I think we're just going to see him in a lot of future lists because he's threat three. Just like I said about Iron Man last episode, he's going to fit um, in a lot of places. That three point bid, that two point bid coming up with the Natasha those are people are going to appear a lot because we're going to have a lot of threat fours and higher in this game. Moreover, I think your threat threes, your twos, they're going to be fitting into a lot of lists around your heavy hitters. Sure. So you're going to want to find the ones that work for you. You're going to want to find the ones that you like the most. Yep. To really fill out these lists behind your heavy hitters for whatever that you're tailoring for whatever objective you're trying to bring to the table. Last bit about him, Chris, that makes him incredibly viable is he is part of the Cabal faction. It just so helps. He's going to push that over. He's going to push that 50% over. Absolutely. Make sure you get that Cabal ability if you're running Red Skull. He's part of it. So that's a good way to go. There's three more points to get your Cabal number higher, right. especially Absolutely. if you're running heroes in your list, whatever it may be in the future. This is going to be awesome. Man, I'm thinking of him and Hulk together. It might be kind of scary. I think that could be nasty. Yeah. <laughs> Just have have uh, crossbones coming in behind Hulk. Oh, yeah. So good. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Catch our streams of Marvel Crisis Protocol at twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest and catch our streams of Star Wars Legion at twitch.tv slash the Canon Cantina. Those of you guys that keep following us there, we cannot thank you enough. Trying to get as many followers as possible to build an infrastructure on those channels. So when we go live, you guys get notifications. Also, so we can do future stuff on Twitch. Unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff on Twitch that is bound by the number of followers you have. So the more times you guys follow us there, the better we can improve our content too. Follow the show on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast, Instagram at Fury's Finest, and Facebook.com slash Fury's Finest. Email us at Fury's Finest at gmail.com and leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. We will read these on future mailbag episodes. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And please remember to subscribe, rate, and review to help spread the word about our show. You can follow me, Jesse, on Twitter and Instagram at J-E-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. You can find my Star Wars show, The Canon Cantina, on your podcatcher of choice at The Canon Cantina. You can follow me at Chris Bruffett, on Twitter, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Thanks for listening, true believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong.
from though. I just got a call from the secretary. I'm gonna be running point on the scepter. Sir, I don't understand. We got word there may be an attempt to steal it. Sorry, Cap. I can't give you the subject. I'm gonna have to call the director. That's okay. Trust me. 